What is up, everyone? This is Alex Lieberman, co-founder and CEO of Morning Brew. Welcome back to Founders Journal, my personal audio diary, where I give you, the business builder, the tools you need to think better in order to build better, whether that's building a business, building a team, or building a product. Today, I'm going to be talking about one of the most important moments when building any sort of venture, whether that's a business, a product, a nonprofit, and that is the fundraising process. The fundraising story for Morning Brew is a pretty unconventional one, but there are so many great learnings that we had from the process that I hope will help you. And even if you're not fundraising at the moment, that's totally fine. I still think you'll get a ton from it because convincing someone to invest in your business is really just selling and the principles for good selling. I hope some of these principles I talk about will stay with you when you try to sell an idea internally in your company or sell yourself to a potential employer. Let's hop into it. Like I said, Morning Brew's fundraising story was weird. Most startups start with a business idea at the very least, or some actually have sales and then they look to raise money. Morning Brew <laughs> worked out in the totally opposite way. We started this thing as a hobby, not a business. We were fundraising around a pet project that was becoming a real business. And I think as I reflect on that, it, it created a lot of uphill battles because we were just figuring out for ourselves that this actually could be something that made money and wasn't just this side project we were doing for fun. Let's rewind to early 2015. It was the early days of Morning Brew. We had just officially launched as an email newsletter. We transitioned from a janky PDF that I had been sending out for a few months myself. At the time, it was called Market Corner. I brought Austin on as my co-founder, and we had rebranded it as Morning Brew. We finally hit our stride, getting the structure of the newsletter down, and we wanted to play around with other types of content for our readers. So one of the things we decided to do was spin up this feature that we called Leader of the Week. We would interview some of the really impressive business leaders that we were able to get in contact with through our Michigan network and through our families' networks. This included people like the owner of the Minnesota Vikings, the founder of David's Bridal, the founder of MTV, the founder of the Snuggie, the list goes on. And we tried to draw out insights from them about what made them top performers. What you'll soon find out is it was these people that became the early backers of the brew. What started as content for Morning Brew became our fundraising strategy. And we didn't know we'd be fundraising at the time, but we did know we wanted to maintain relationships with these really well-connected business leaders no matter what. So what we did was we kept a list of our interviewees in a Google Sheet that we could revisit at any time. So literally like had a Google Sheet, wasn't formatted at all. We had a list of the names, had a list of where they worked, their contact information, and when we interviewed them for the brew. Now let's fast forward. It was September of 2016. I had just quit my job at Morgan Stanley and went full-time on Morning Brew. Austin, who was two years younger than me, was a senior at Michigan, and he had decided for himself that he was going to go full-time on the brew at graduation as well. We were ready to take Morning Brew to the next level, but we had one major issue, money. Up to this point, we had bootstrapped the business, either with our own money from our savings from you know old jobs like caddying or internships, or what we also did was we basically applied for and received as many grants as we could from the University of Michigan. But the issue was we wanted our content to be great. To have great content, we needed 
full-time great content people because Austin and I weren't great writers by any stretch of the imagination. But the issue was we didn't have the money to pay full-time great content people. We knew that wouldn't fly much longer. That's when we started discussing outside capital. As we started thinking about where to raise money from, I vividly remember us being super adamant about not taking money from VCs. This is not to say that venture capitalists are bad, but I just think Austin and I were naive. We had heard horror stories of VCs sucking the life out of founders, and we just had zero interest in that happening to us. Okay, so VCs were off the table. Next, there was another route we thought briefly about, which was debt. Things like SBA loans, where we could you know, get a loan, use that loan to fund the business and pay back interest. But the issue was most private lenders required stable cash flow and revenue to even think about lending to a startup. And of course, we neither had revenue nor stable cash flow since this was a pet project and not an actual business at first. That only really left us with one other option, and that was a family and friends round. And as we started thinking about what family and friends we wanted to raise from, we thought back to that spreadsheet that we had built when we were interviewing successful business people in the early days of the business. It's obvious, but the first thing we did was we emailed all 25 people on that spreadsheet to gauge their interest in backing the brew. And that is exactly how our fundraise began. We now had to develop our pitch, put it in a deck, and somehow find a way to convince wealthy individuals why two 20-year-olds who are first-time entrepreneurs would be worthy of their money. The TLDR of what we said to them was three things. We said, first, look, we are really striking a chord with the upcoming generation of business leaders. That's obvious. The second thing we said was the audience is growing organically really quickly and it's a super valuable audience to get in front of. And the third thing we said was, your interview with us provided a launch pad to get this product off the ground, and we would love for you to come in as an investor and join for the ride. But as unproven entrepreneurs, we couldn't just say those three things and expect money to start hitting the company bank account. And so what we did was we put together a 16-slide investor deck and took all that would take a call with us through the deck. So obviously in prepping for this episode, I had to go back into the archives and find the original deck. I literally haven't looked at this thing since 2017, probably like January of 2017 when we were fundraising. Holy shit, it looked horrible. Like a third grader put it together with some paper mache and some, you know, I don't even know what you call those things. Some paper mache and, uh, you know, popsicle sticks. It, it really was atrocious. We had our old brew logo. We had zero design. <laughs> One slide had the world's longest agenda. I think there were 17 agenda items. But regardless, here is the story we told investors. The basic run of show was we started with our problem statement, which was millennials lack a brand that they relate to and trust in order to learn about the business world in a way that is engaging, personal, and enjoyable. It is wild to think about how different of a spot Morning Brew is in today, yet how similar the problem that we're solving is today versus when we were raising in 2017. Our goal literally hasn't changed. It's just our manifestation of that goal in terms of the content we serve and where we serve it. That is what has changed a lot over time. The deck then went through reviews of the current product by readers, a chart tracking our audience growth, 
a breakdown of our audience demographics like gender, location, et cetera. We had the business and growth plan, a list, a list of our competitors. I think we had the hustle in there, cheddar in there, and a few others. We had our financials, or at least what we thought was <laughs> were financials. And then we had our investment proposal to uh, these potential investors. And honestly, as I look back on this thing, it probably could have been like four slides. It was a lot of fluff. But the most important thing in there that eased the concerns of our potential investors was an actual plan. That's how we showed them or that we weren't just naive students on a fool's errand. We explained to them how we wanted to use their capital and how that capital contributed to the strategy of the business. We made it very clear. We were raising $750,000 to hire the right people to improve the quality of the newsletter's content, grow the audience from 70,000 subscribers, which we had at the time, to 250,000 subscribers, and ultimately monetize that audience through selling ads to brands, large and small. Look, plans always change, but the fact that we were thoughtful enough to have a plan said something about how we would do business. So that was the deck. It was horrible in some regards and solid in others. But at the end of the day, a deck doesn't mean jack unless people put their money where their mouths are and invest in you. Austin and I found the fundraising process easier than most because it wasn't through traditional channels, but it still wasn't easy. We spent about six months in market. We probably spoke to 75 potential investors. We raised $750,000 in the form of a convertible note and ended up having a group of 28 individuals that wrote checks to fill out the round. Getting the first check was definitely the hardest because every investor feels like they're taking the biggest risk when they're the first money in. So that's what took the longest was getting those first dollars. And I remember that moment like it was yesterday. I was in a coffee shop in Williamsburg in Brooklyn. I spent about an hour on the phone with this potential investor I had never met before. And in the last minute of the conversation, they said, I'm in for $100,000. I will never forget the feeling of shock and pure joy. It was that first investor who created a domino effect for everyone else. We are able to leverage his name and his reputation as he was a former media executive himself at Time Warner Cable. And so in every subsequent pitch, we would put his name in there. We would talk about how we had a big media exec backing us how he understood the trajectory we were taking the business on, and it added so much credibility to what we were doing. So while Austin and I didn't have the business experience, we had a business plan that now a proven business person supported with their investment. That allowed us to latch onto the credibility of a proven leader. And that's the story of how Morning Brew got off the ground. So what can you take from our story as you look to sell investors, employers, and bosses on investing in you? Three things. The first, understand your options. There are so many different ways to raise money or achieve a goal. Make sure you've thought through all of these ways as well as the pros and cons of each. For us, a family and friends round outweighed raising VC money or taking on loans. The second, maintain a warm and strong network. You can't predict when you're going to ask someone for a favor, so don't try to time it. Build relationships often and early add value when you can without asking for anything in return. So when the time comes that you're looking for help yourself, your network is ready to help. That is exactly what happened with the 25 people on this spreadsheet that we had interviewed. Third and final, have a plan. 
especially if you don't have previous accomplishments or credibility to lean on. The best way to sell someone on something is to show that you have thought through everything. You may not be right, but you can't be faulted for not considering all of the possibilities. As inexperienced entrepreneurs, we had to give investors a reason to believe what we were saying, and that was with a clear game plan. As always, thank you for listening to Founders Journal. If you have any questions about fundraising in general, shoot me an email at alex at morningbrew.com. I would love to help. And by the way, if you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me if you left a review on Apple Podcasts. We are at 230 reviews now, and my goal is to get to 250 by the end of the month. We have 20 left to go, and I believe we can do it if you help out. Thanks again, everyone, and I will catch you next episode. Take it easy. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.